Act Two. <laughs> now my co-mates and brothers in exile. Hath not old custom made this life more sweet than that of painted pomp? Are not these woods more free from peril than the envious court? Here feel we not the penalty of Adam! The season's difference is the icy fang and churlish shining the winter's wind, which when it bites and blows upon my body even till I shrink with cold, I smile and say, this is no flattery. These are counselors that feelingly persuade me what I am. Sweet are the uses of adversity, which like the toad ugly and venomous, wears yet a precious jewel in his head. And this our life, exempt from public haunt, finds tongues and trees, books in the running brooks, sermons and stones, and good in everything. I would not change it. Happy is your grace. That can translate the stubbornness of fortune into so quiet and so sweet a style. <laughs> Come, shall we go and kill us venison? And yet it irks me, the poor dappled fools, being native burghers of this desert city, should in their own confines with forked heads have their round haunches gored. Indeed, my lord. The melancholy Jacques grieves at that, and in that kind swears you do more usurp than doth your brother that hath banished you. Today, my lord of Amiens and myself did steal behind him as he lay along under an oak whose antique root peeps out upon the brook that brawls along this wood. To the witch place, a poor sequestered stag that, from the hunter's aim had taken a hurt, did come to languish, and indeed, my lord, the wretched animal heaved forth such groans that their discharge did stretch his leathern coat almost to bursting, and the big round tears coursed one another down his innocent nose in piteous chase. And thus the hairy fool, much marked of the melancholy jock, stood on the extremest verge of the swift brook, augmenting it with tears. <laughs> but what said Jacques? Did he not moralize this spectacle? Oh, yes, into a thousand similes. First, for his weeping into the needless stream. Pardon, quoth he, thou makest a testament as worldlings do giving thy sum of more to that which had too much. Then, being there alone, left and abandoned of his velvet friends, "'Tis right,' quoth he, "'thus misery doth part the flux of company.'" Anon, a careless herd, full of the pasture, jumps along by him and never stays to greet him. "'Aye!' quoth Jacques. Sweep on, you fat and greasy citizens. Tis just the fashion. Wherefore do you look upon that poor and broken bankrupt there? Thus, most invectively, he pierceth through the body of the country, city, court, yea, and of this our life, swearing that we are mere usurpers, tyrants, and what's worse, to fright the animals and to kill them up in their assigned and native dwelling place. And did you leave him in this contemplation? We did, my lord, weeping and commenting upon the sobbing deer. Show me the place. I love to cope him in these sullen fits. 
but then he's full of matter. I'll bring you to him straight. Can it be possible that no man saw them? It cannot be. Some villains of my court are of consent and sufferance in this. I cannot hear any that did see her. The ladies, her attendants of her chamber, saw her abed, and in the morning early they found the bed untreasured of their mistress. <gasps> my lord, the ruinish clown at whom so oft your grace was wont to laugh is also missing. Hesperia, the princess's gentlewoman, confesses that she secretly overheard your daughter and her cousin much commend the parts and graces of the wrestler that did but lately foil the sinewy Charles. And she believes wherever they are gone that youth is surely in their company. Send to his brother. Fetch that gallant hither. If he be absent, bring his brother to me. I'll make him find him. Do this suddenly, and let not search and inquisition quail to bring again these foolish runaways. Who is there? What? My young master. Oh, my gentle master. Oh, my sweet master. Oh, you memory of old Sir Roland. Why, what make you here? Oh, why are you virtuous? Why do people love you? And wherefore are you gentle, strong, and valiant? Why would you be so fond to overcome the bonny prizer of the humorous duke? Your praise has come too swiftly home before you. Know you not, master, to some kind of men, their graces serve them but as enemies? No more to yours. Your virtues, gentle master, are sanctified and holy traitors to you. Oh, what a world is this, when what is comely envenoms him that bears it. Why, what's the matter? Oh, unhappy youth, come not within these doors. Within this roof, the enemy of all your graces lives. Your brother, no, no brother, yet the son, yet not the son, I will not call him son of him I was about to call his father, hath heard your praises. And this night he means to burn the lodging where you used to lie, and you within it. If you fail of that, he will have other means to cut you off. I, I overheard him and his practices. This is no place. This house is but a butchery. Abhor it. Fear it. Do not enter it. Whither, Adam, wouldst thou have me go? No matter whither, so you come not here. What? Wouldst thou have me go and beg my food? Or with a base and boisterous sword enforce a thievish living on the common road? This I must do, or know not what to do. Yet this I will not do, do how I can. I rather will subject me to the malice of a diverted blood and bloody brother. Oh, but do not so. I have five hundred crowns, the thrifty hire I saved under your father, which I did store to be my foster nurse when service should in my old limbs lie lame and unregarded age in corners thrown. Take that. And he that doth the ravens feed, yea, providently caters for the sparrow, be comfort to my age. Here is the gold, 
and all this I give you. Let me be your servant. Though I look old, yet I am strong and lusty, for in my youth I never did apply hot and rebellious liquors in my blood, nor did not with unbashful forehead woo the means of weakness and debility. Therefore my age is as a lusty winter, frosty but kindly. Let me go with you. I'll do the service of a younger man in all your business and necessities. Oh, good old man. How well in thee appears the constant service of the antique world, when service sweat for duty, not for mead. Thou art not for the fashion of these times, where none will sweat but for promotion, and having that do choke their service up even with the having. It is not so with thee. But, poor old man, thou prunest a rotten tree, that cannot so much as a blossom yield in lieu of all thy pains in husbandry. But come thy ways, we'll go along together, and ere we have thy youthful wages spent, we'll light upon some settled low content. Master, go on, and I will follow thee to the last gasp with truth and loyalty. From seventeen years to now almost fourscore here lived I, but now live here no more. At seventeen years, many their fortune seek, but at fourscore it is too late a week. Yet, yet fortune cannot recompense me better than to die well and not my master's debtor. Jupiter, how weary are my spirits! Oh, I care not for my spirits, if my legs were not so weary. I could find it in my heart to disgrace my man's apparel and cry like a woman. But I must comfort the weaker vessel, as doublet and hose sought to show itself courageous to petticoat. Therefore, courage, good Aliena. I pray you, bear with me. I cannot go no further. For my part, I had rather bear with you than bear you. Yet, I should bear no cross if I did bear you, for I think you have no money in your purse. Well, this is the Forest of Arden. I now am I in Arden, the more fool I. When I was at home, I was in a better place. <sighs> but travelers must be content. I be so good, Touchstone. You who comes here, a young man and an old in solemn talk. That is the way to make her scorn you still. Oh, Corin, that thou knewest how I do love her. I partly guess, for I have loved her now. No, Corin, being old thou canst not guess, though in thy youth I wast as true a lover as ever sighed upon a midnight pillow. But if thy love were ever like to mine, as sure I think did never man love so, how many actions most ridiculous hast thou been drawn to by thy fantasy? Into a thousand that I have forgotten. Oh, thou didst then ne'er love so heartily! If thou rememberst not the slightest folly that ever love did make thee run into, thou hast not loved, 
Or if thou hast not sat as I do now, wearying thy hearer in thy mistress's praise, thou hast not loved. Or if thou hast not broke from company abruptly, as my passion now makes me, thou hast not loved. Oh, Phoebe, Phoebe, Phoebe. Alas, poor shepherd. Searching of thy wound, I have by hard adventure find mine own. And I mine. I remember when I was in love, I broke my sword upon a stone and bid him take that for coming a knight to Jane's smile. And I remember the kissing of her battler and the cow's dugs that her pretty chapped hands had milked. And I remember the wooing of a peas card instead of her, from whom I took two cards, and giving her them again said with weeping tears, Wear these for my sake. We that are true lovers run into strange capers, but as all is mortal in nature, so is all nature in love mortal in folly. Thou speakest wiser than thou art aware of. Nay, I shall ne'er be aware of mine own wit till I break my shins against it. Jove, Jove, this shepherd's passion is much upon my fashion. And mine, but it grows something stale with me. I pray you, one of you question yon man if he for gold will give us any food. I faint almost to death. Holla, you clown! He's fool, he is not thy kinsman. Who calls? Your betters, sir. Else are they very wretched. Peace, I say. Good even to you, friend. And to you, gentle sir, and to you all. I prithee, shepherd, if that love or gold in this desert place by entertainment, bring us where we may rest ourselves and feed. Here's a young maid with travel much oppressed and faints for succour. Fair sir, I pity her, and wish for her sake more than for mine own, my fortunes were more able to relieve her. But I am shepherd to another man, and do not shear the fleeces that I graze. My master is of churlish disposition, and little wrecks to find the way to heaven by doing deeds of hospitality. Besides his coat, his flocks, and bounds of feed are now on sale, and at our sheep coat now, by reason of his absence, there is nothing that you will feed on. But what is, come see, and in my voice most welcome shall you be. What is he that shall buy this flock and pasture? That young swain that you saw here but erewhile, that little cares for buying anything. I pray thee, if it stand with honesty, buy thou the cottage, pasture, and the flock, and thou shalt have to pay for it of us. And we will mend thy wages. I like this place, and willingly could waste my time in it. Assuredly the thing is to be sold. Go with me, if you like upon report, the soil, the profit, and this kind of life, I will your very faithful feeder be, and buy it with your gold right suddenly. Who loves to lie with me 
and turn his merry note unto the sweet bird's throat. Come hither, come hither, come hither. Pretty more. It will make you melancholy, Monsieur Jacques. I thank it. More, I prithee, more. I can suck melancholy out of a song as a weasel sucks eggs. More, I prithee, more. My voice is ragged. I know I cannot please you. I do not desire you to please me. I do desire you to sing. Come, more. Another stanzo. Call you them stanzos? What you will, Monsieur Jacques. Oh, nay, I care not for their names. They owe me nothing. Will you sing? More at your request than to please myself. Well, then, if I ever thank any man, I'll thank you. But that they call compliment is like the encounter of two dog apes. And when a man thanks me heartily, methinks I have given him a penny, and he renders me the beggarly thanks. Come, sing, and you that will not hold your tongue. Well, I'll end the song. Sir, cover the while. The duke will drink under this tree. He hath been all this day to look you. And I have been all this day to avoid him. He is too disputable for my company. I think of as many matters as he, but I give heaven thanks and make no boast of them. Come, Warble, come. Ahem. Who doth ambition shun altogether here? And loves to live in the sun, seeking the food he eats, and pleased with what he gets. Come hither, come hither, come hither. Here shall he see no enemy. But winter and rough weather I'll give you a verse to this note that I made yesterday in despite of my invention. And I'll sing it. Thus it goes. If it do come to pass that any man turn ass, leaving his wealth and ease, a stubborn will to please, duck dame, duck dame, duck dame, here shall he see gross fools as he, and if he will come to me. What's that duck dame? Tis a Greek invocation to call fools into a circle. I'll go to sleep if I can. If I cannot, I'll rail against all the firstborn of Egypt. And I'll go see the duke. His banquet is prepared. Dear master... I can go no further. Oh, I die for food. Here lie I down, and measure out my grave. Farewell, kind master. Why, 
How now, Adam? No greater heart in thee? Live a little. Comfort a little. Cheer thyself a little. If this uncouth forest yield anything savage, I will either be food for it, or bring it for food to thee. Thy conceit is nearer death than thy powers. <laughs> for my sake, be comfortable. Hold death a while at the arm's end. I will here be with thee presently. And if I bring thee not something to eat, I will give thee leave to die. But if thou diest before I come, thou art a mocker of my labor. Well said, thou lookst cheerly, and I'll be with thee quickly. <laughs> Yet thou liest in the bleak air. Come, I will bear thee to some shelter. And thou shalt not die for lack of a dinner, if there live anything in this desert. Cheerly, good Adam. I think he'd be transformed into a beast, for I can nowhere find him like a man. My lord, he is but even now gone hence. Here was he merry, hearing of a song. If he, compact of jars, grow musical, we shall have shortly discord in the spheres. <laughs> Go seek him. Tell him I would speak with him. He saves my labor by his own approach. Why, how now, monsieur? What a life is this that your poor friends must woo your company? What, you look merrily. <laughs> a fool, a fool. I met a fool in the forest, a motley fool. Miserable world, as I do live by food, I met a fool who laid him down and basked him in the sun and railed on Lady Fortune in good terms, in good set terms, and yet a motley fool. Good morrow, fool, quoth I. No, sir, quoth he, call me not fool till heaven hath sent me fortune. And then he drew a dial from his poke, and looking at it with lackluster eyes, says very wisely, It is ten o'clock, thus we may see, quoth he, how the world wags. Tis but an hour ago since it was nine, and after one hour more, twill be eleven. And so from hour to hour we ripen ripe. And then from hour to hour we rot and rot, and thereby hangs a tale. <laughs> when I did hear the motley fool thus moral on the time, my lungs began to crow like chanticleer that fools could be so deep contemplative that I did laugh sans intermission an hour by his dial. <laughs> oh, noble fool, a worthy fool, motley's the only wear. What fool is this? <laughs> oh, worthy fool, one that hath been a courtier, and says if ladies be but young and fair, they have the gift to know it, and in his brain, which is as dry as the remainder biscuit after a voyage, he hath strange places crammed with observation, the which he vents in mangled forms. Oh, that I were a fool. I am ambitious for a motley coat. Thou shalt have one. It is my only suit, provided that you weed your better judgments of all opinion that grows rank in them that I am wise. I must have liberty withal, as large a charter as the wind to blow on whom I please, for so fools have. And they that are most galled with my folly, they most must laugh. And why, sir, must they so? The wise plainest way to perish, church. He that a fool doth very wisely hit, 
doth very foolishly. Although he's smart, not to seem senseless of the bob, if not, the wise man's folly is anatomized even by the squandering glances of the fool. Invest me in my motley, give me leave to speak my mind, and I will through and through cleanse the foul body of the infected world, if they will patiently receive my medicine. Fie on thee! I can tell what thou wouldst do. What for a counter would I do but good? Most mischievous foul sin and chiding sin, for thou thyself hast been a libertine, as sensual as the brutish sting itself and all the immoral sores and headed evils that thou with license of free foot hast caught wouldst thou discharge into the general world. Why, who cries out on pride that can therein tax any private party? Doth it not flow as hugely as the sea, till that the weary very means do ebb? What woman in the city do I name, when I say the city woman bears the cost of princes on unworthy shoulders? Who can come in and say that I mean her, when such a one as she is her neighbor? Or what is he of basis function that says his bravery is not of my cost, thinking that I mean him? Oh, but therein suits his folly to the meddle of my speech. There then, how then, what then? Let me see wherein my tongue hath wronged him. If it do him right, oh, then he hath wronged himself. If he be free, oh, why then my taxing like a wild goose flies, unclaimed of any man. But, but who comes here? Forbear, and eat no more. Why, I have eaten none yet. Nor shalt not, till necessity be served. Of what kind should this cock come of? Art thou thus boldened, man, by thy distress? Or else a rude despiser of good manners, that in civility thou seem'st so empty? You touched my vein at first. The thorny point of bare distress hath taken from me the show of smooth civility. Yet am I inland bred, and know some nurture. But forbear, I say, he dies that touches any of this fruit, till I and my affairs are answered. And you will not be answered with reason, I must die. What would you have? Your gentleness shall force more than your force move us to gentleness. I almost die for food, and let me have it. Sit down and feed, and welcome to our table. Speak you so gently. Pardon me, I pray you. I thought that all things had been savage here, and therefore put I on the countenance of stern commandment. But whate'er you are that in this desert inaccessible, under the shade of melancholy boughs, lose and neglect the creeping hours of time, if ever you have looked on better days, if ever been where bells have knolled to church, if ever sat at any good man's feast, if ever from your eyelids wiped a tear, and know what is to pity and be pitied, let gentleness my strong enforcement be, in the which hope I blush and hide my sword. True it is that we have seen better days, and have with holy bell been knolled to church, and sat at good men's feasts, and wiped our eyes with drops that sacred pity hath engendered. And therefore, sit you down in gentleness, and take upon command what help we have, that to your wanting may be ministered. Then, but forbear your food a little while, whilst, like a doe, I go to find my fawn and give it food. There is an old poor man, who after me hath many a weary step limped in pure love, till he be first sufficed, oppressed with two weak evils, age and hunger. I will not touch a bit. Go find him out, and we will nothing waste till you return. I thank ye, and be blessed for your good comfort. Thou seest we are not all alone, unhappy. 
This wide and universal theater presents more woeful pageants than the scene wherein we play in. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts, his acts being seven ages. At first, the infant, mewling and puking in the nurse's arms, and then the whining schoolboy, with his satchel and shining morning face, creeping like snail unwillingly to school. And then, the lover, sighing like furnace with woeful ballad made to his mistress' eyebrow. Then a soldier, full of strange oaths and bearded like the pard, jealous in honor, sudden and quick in quarrel, seeking the bubble reputation even in the cannon's mouth. And then the justice, in fair round belly with good cape unlined, with eyes severe and beard of formal cut, full of wise saws in modern instances, and so he plays his part. The sixth age shifts into the lean and slippered pantaloon, with spectacles on nose and pouch on side, his youthful hose well saved, a world too wide for his shrunk shank, and his big manly voice turning again to our childish treble, pipes and whistles in his sound. Last scene of all that ends this strange, eventful history is second childishness and mere oblivion. Sans teeth, sans eyes, sans taste, sans everything. Welcome. Set down your venerable burthen and let him feed. I thank you most for him. So had you need. I scarce can speak to thank you for myself. Welcome. Fall to. I will not trouble you as yet to question you about your fortunes. Give us some music. And good cousin, sing. Blow, blow the winter wind, thou art not so unkind as a man's ingratitude. Thy tooth is not so keen, because thou art not seen, although thy breath be rude. Hey ho, sing hey ho, unto the green holly. Most friendship is feigning, most loving mere folly. Then hey ho, the holly. This life is most jolly. Freeze, freeze the bitter sky that doth not bite so nigh as benefits for God. Though, though the waters warp, thy sting is not so sharp as friend remembered not. Hey ho, sing hey ho, into the green holly. If it you were the good Sir Roland's son, as you have whispered faithfully you were, and as mine eye doth his effigies witness most truly limbed and living in your face, be truly welcome hither. I am the duke that loved your father. The residue of your fortune go to my cave and tell me. Good old man, thou art right welcome as thy master is. Support him by the arm. Give me your hand and let me all your fortunes understand. The Pendant Shakespeare also known as The Wild Bill Variety Show, As You Like It, Act 2. Featuring the voice talents of Russell Gold as Duke Signor, Christopher Gilstrap as Jacques, Will Shipley as Orlando, Erie Alexander as Amiens, Alexandra Elroy as Rosalind, Alan Wayman as Corin, Finn M.K. as Touchstone, 
Edward Herman as Adam, Susan Evans as the First Lady, Natalia Orlovsky as Senior's Dragon, Olivia Steele as Celia, Pete Lutz as Duke Frederick, Matt Shimperl as Silvius, Justin Fife as Lebeau, and Jenny Dean as the Second Lady. Written by William Shakespeare. Adapted for audio by Landon Bell. Directed by Sven Halverson. Assistant director George Linfield. Music by Stephen O'Brien of Stephen-O'Brien.net. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2017. Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Why? Do not your courtier's hands sweat? And is not the grease of a mutton as wholesome as the sweat of a man? Shallow, shallow, a better instance, I say, come. Next time, on The Pendant Shakespeare. Why should this a desert be? For it is unpeopled? No. Tongues I'll hang on every tree that shall civil sing show. Not seen him since? Sir, sir, that cannot be. Truly the tree yields bad fruit. I was seven of the nine days out of the wonder before you came. For look here what I found on a palm tree. I was never so berimed since Pythagoras' time. That I was an Irish rat which I can hardly remember. Trow you who hath done this? Is it a man? I pray you mar no more trees with writing love songs in their barks. I pray you mar no more of my verses with reading them ill-favoredly. Poetry fills the air in part one of As You Like It, Act Three. Part of the Wild Bill Variety Show. Listen or catch up anytime on desktop or mobile at pendantaudio.com. Alas, the day! What shall I do with my doublet and hose? <laughs>